Welcome to the Compass Podcast, featuring Chris Shandro and the Compass team. We hope this message is just for you. Well, hey, so confession time. I have a little bit of a problem. I don't have well-defined boundaries when it comes to places I'm not supposed to go. For example, one time I was just driving out in the country and I passed a sign that said Water Reclamation District, and it had a gravel path leading back into the woods. It was a little creepy in a like a Texas Chainsaw Massacre sort of way. So of course, I drove back there until I hit a dead end in this tiny overgrown gravel parking lot just surrounded by trees. Now at this dead end was what looked like an overgrown trail that led deeper into the woods. So again, of course, I got out of my car and I started walking on this trail. I didn't know where it led, who it belonged to, or if I would even survive. But there were two things at play deep in my core my curiosity, and my aversion to being told, don't go there. I can't help it. I have never met an open or unlocked door that I didn't want to walk through. I've explored catwalks in big theaters. I've poked through house cleaning rooms at hotels to see what, see what stuff has been left behind or to grab some extra towels. Listen, if the door is open, it's fair game. Uh, I've explored creepy water-filled abandoned buildings, empty storefronts, uh, construction sites, I've climbed water and cell towers all the way to the top. Now I tell my kids and my wife about this and they joke that one day I'm gonna disappear and the last location on my phone is gonna be some forest or some random building that they have never heard of and there's just gonna be some crazy mystery surrounding it. I just don't have an internal don't go there meter. And I know I'm not the only one. It's the reason that we have so many rules telling us uh, where we aren't supposed to go and what we aren't supposed to do in the world. You know, there's rules like don't walk on the grass, don't cross the yellow line, don't park there, uh, don't use after the sell-by date, don't eat this, don't touch this, don't do this. So many don't rules. And all of these don't rules, they're created to help us learn to develop healthy boundaries, even from a young age. But sometimes don'ts change. Sometimes there are new don'ts, uh, things that were fine until they weren't fine. Things like COVID don'ts. Don't be in a large group. Don't be in public without a mask. Don't go to parties. You know, don't eat a whole pint of ice cream all by yourself and scream into your pillow just because you want to party in a large group without a mask on. Don't. We all have to deal with the don'ts in life our internally developed don'ts, uh, the consistent society don'ts, and, and the new don'ts that develop and change with the world and change with our understanding of the world. But there's another don't that I wanna talk about today, and that's this. That's when God says don't. Now, I think that people use God saying no as an excuse all the time. And maybe you've done this, things like, you know, Thanks for asking me out, but God told me not to date right now, uh, which is really convenient because I don't like you, I'm not attracted to you, and you gross me out, so it works. Or, you know, maybe maybe you've used this God no as an excuse, you know, thanks for the job opportunity, but I just really feel like God's leading me in a different direction. It's a direction that happens to include a lot more money, better benefits, and more vacation time, but look, you, you can't argue with God when God says no. But just because God says no is a great excuse that people use sometimes. It doesn't mean that God never actually says no. 
So what does it mean for us when God says no? What happens when what we want and what God wants for us don't line up? Now, this is something the Apostle Paul, just like many of us, he went through this personally. Now, Paul was just kicking off his second big missionary journey with his friend Silas, and there was this specific place that he wanted to go. But God had other plans. So check this out in Acts chapter 16. It says that next, Paul and Silas traveled through the area of Phrygia and Galatia because the Holy Spirit had prevented them from preaching the word in the province of Asia at that time. And then, coming to the borders of Mysia, they headed north for the province of Bithynia. But again, the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them to go there. So here's the thing. Paul plotted out his missionary journey. He put it all on the map, like the map behind me on the wall. He knew exactly where he wanted to go. He wanted to go to Asia. And it was a good thing to go there, right? I mean, he wanted to go share the gospel. He wanted to go tell the people of Asia about Jesus. But God said, don't go there. In fact, God had to tell Paul twice because Paul was so certain that's where he should go, he kept pushing to get there. And both times, God said no. Don't go there. Sometimes God says no to things that we want. And they, they aren't things that are, that are bad. In fact, sometimes they're things that are even good for his kingdom. Earlier this week, we announced that because of COVID, that we won't be meeting in person for Sunday services through the rest of 2020. Is that what we wanted to do? No. Is meeting in person good? Absolutely. But as we talked about what we're facing and as we thought about the wise way to respond, and especially as we prayed for God's guidance, we consistently felt like God was telling us, no, don't go there. And so like Paul, being obedient to the redirection of the Holy Spirit, we had to acknowledge that in spite of what we wanted, in spite of what other churches are doing, that God was giving us the very guidance we were asking for. And like Paul, we made the decision to follow. But look, things didn't end there for Paul, and they won't end there for us. The story continues in Acts 16, 9. It says, that night Paul had a vision, the same night that God said, don't go. A man from Macedonia in northern Greece was standing there pleading with him, come over to Macedonia and help us. So we decided to leave for Macedonia at once, having concluded that God was calling us to preach the good news there. Why did God say no to Asia? God said no to Asia because he had something better for Paul in Macedonia. God didn't want Paul to stay home. He just had a specific place in mind that was different than what Paul was thinking. And I, I love in this how you can see how Paul responds and how he, he processed God's no. He wasn't angry about it. He didn't feel betrayed. Paul understood that it was all part of the process of God directing them. Paul concluded that God was calling them to just do things differently than maybe he wanted to. And, and this is the big point for us, that just because God says no to one thing, it doesn't mean he isn't saying yes to another. When God closes a door, he isn't closing every door, just that one. But sometimes when he says no to us, especially to something we want, we take it personally. We feel like every door is closing to us. I mean, have, have you ever t told a little kid no and gotten a completely 
totally disproportionate response. You know, like, you hate me. I don't want to be in this family anymore. You're not just saying no to ice cream before dinner. You're saying no to my life. Once, so one time my parents, they wouldn't let me do what I wanted to in, in second grade. So I packed up a backpack and I ran away from home for 10 minutes. But I figured that I'd go be part of a family that says yes, if they're gonna be a family that says no. Because my parents obviously didn't want me in their family, or they would have said yes to whatever it even was I wanted. I mean, I can't even remember. But it's not just kids who think that way and run away when God says no. We, we can all fall into that trap. We, we can do it as adults. I mean, for example, if someone says no to what I want here, it really just means that I should go somewhere else where I'll get a yes to what I want. A no to getting promoted to the position I want must mean that I shouldn't be working in this company. Or a no to the scholarship that I want must mean that this college, or maybe any college, it just isn't for me. Maybe you felt this. A no to what I want my church to be or how I want my church to function, it must mean that I should just go to a different church where I'll get a yes. Imagine for a second if this had been Paul's attitude and mindset. That hearing no on where he wanted to go and do his missionary work, it must mean that, you know, he shouldn't be a missionary or else God would have said yes to where he wanted to go. So he should just quit and go home. But Paul knew this, that saying no is a tool that God uses to get us to what's best for us. And I have no idea why God said no to Asia for Paul and he said yes to other Christians who eventually took the gospel there. I have no idea why it was right for them and not right for Paul. But I know one thing for certain. God said no to Asia so that he could say yes to Macedonia. He said no to somewhere that Paul wanted to go, to something Paul wanted to do, so that Paul could be sent where God wanted him to go. And listen, I don't understand why God is telling us no to church as usual right now. I don't understand why COVID is so bad and why the activities related to church correspond with the activities that spread COVID the most. I don't understand why we feel so certain that God is directing us not to meet in person while other churches feel so certain that they should and are meeting in person right now. I wish it were different, but it isn't. But I am certain that while God is telling us no to one thing, that it doesn't mean he isn't saying yes to another. I am certain that there is a purpose in why he is leading us to be cautious and conservative and wise as it relates to COVID. And I'm certain that purpose will result in the same thing that Paul's big no did, that we will make God accessible to more people and their lives will be transformed by the gospel. So, so now we know what we aren't going to do. But what can we do? What are we going to do? I just want to wrap up with four things that we can all do to stay connected and to be the church. Really four habits of Compass and four habits of the people of Compass. And the first is this, stay connected to the church online. Stay connected online. And this is not about being online, but it's about staying connected to the community and to the resources that facilitate spiritual growth. I know it's not in person, but develop a Sunday habit. Make coffee, make breakfast, get cupcake. I don't care, keep your pajamas on, but watch the live stream or plan when you're going to watch it. Join the Compass Community Facebook 
Facebook group where we share needs and where we share prayer requests and where we just stay connected with each other. Subscribe to our YouTube channel so you don't miss any of the resources that are there to help you grow in your faith. Just because we don't have Sunday services doesn't mean you can't stay connected to the church online. So the first thing, stay connected online. Second habit to, to kind of develop is to establish a group routine. We still learn and grow together in community. COVID doesn't change that. And even though large gatherings are dangerous, small ones are less so. So, so take the initiative and establish a group meeting routine. Meet in person with the friends and family that share your approach to the virus. Have a watch party at someone's house every Sunday to, to watch the live stream and, and talk about it afterwards. If you're not comfortable about it in person, you know, or if, or if you and those who you're getting together with uh, aren't comfortable meeting together, then do it online, get in a Zoom group. If you are comfortable meeting together at home, go for it. Listen, we want you to meet in a group with friends. We want you to grow in your faith. And so if that means that you need to meet in a group of friends who aren't a part of Compass, do it, that's okay. You don't even have to be a group leader to establish a group routine and encourage your people to get together. In, in fact, we've put together a whole page of group resources on our website that you can use to get a group going. Just go to compassbn.com. The important thing is this, is that you take charge of things and you establish some sort of regular faith community routine. Stay connected online, establish a group routine. The third thing, the third habit of Compass, serve your community. How we serve may have changed, but our heartbeat to make a difference in our community by serving others, or serving others, it never will. So what does it look like to serve others in the COVID area? What new opportunities are available because of the challenges we're, fa we're facing? Ask yourself those questions because you were created and called to serve. That hasn't changed, so do it. And look, coming up, we have some really cool opportunities that we're gonna be sharing with you soon to do just that. But you don't have to wait for Compass to tell you what to do. You're a follower of Jesus. Take the initiative, contact the Midwest Food Bank or the Salvation Army. Stay tuned because we'll be compiling some of those resources, some serving resources for you so that you can take control of how you choose to serve. Serve your community. Then the final habit of Compass is to pray for your church. Just pray for your church. Pray for Compass, that God accomplishes his mission through us. Pray that he gives us wisdom to do what's wise and what's right. Pray that he would send workers with the vision and initiative to go into their world and personally own the mission that he's called us to. Or better yet, ask God to make you one of those workers to go into your world and make a difference. And pray for COVID to end soon so that we can gather together again as soon as possible. Listen, just because God said don't go there doesn't mean we can't be compass anywhere. The gospel is portable. The key habits of the church, staying connected, meeting in groups, serving and praying, they all travel. They aren't tied to a place. They're connected to a people. We may be facing or hearing from God a no right now, but that only means that God has a better yes around the corner if he can just hold on for it. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you that you are guiding and directing us as a church. Even though there are things, God, you may be leading us to and asking us to do that don't make sense to us. And I pray that you would give us the courage. 
I pray that you would give us the integrity and the grit and the boldness to hold on. That you would give us, God, what we need to, to look for the opportunities you're leading us to instead of running away from the nose that you're putting in front of us. Father, we love you and we believe that our best days are ahead of us. And we believe, God, that you have a plan and purpose for our lives that supersede this moment right now. So help us, Jesus, to lay the groundwork for the future that you're laying out for us. And understanding that, that you saying no, that you saying don't go there right now may be exactly what we need to hear to get us to the best future, to the best life we could live in you. Lord, we love you. We pray that your kingdom would come and that your will would be done in our lives, in our church, in our community, and in our world. In your name. Amen. Thank you for joining us at Compass. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. If you have any questions about Compass or this message, contact us at our website, www.compassbn.com.